Kay, this instant. This instant, I say. Yes, ma'am. Oh, you two boys will be the death of me. What are you doing, what? Please, ma'am, I'm working out our latitude with the astrolabe. Latitude? With the astrolabe? Nonsense. Hold out your hand. Yes, ma'am. Oh, there. Let that be a lesson in courtesy and obedience. Now sit down. Yes, ma'am. And now, as it's Thursday, take out your astrology charts. <clears throat> yes, what? Please, ma'am, it's not Thursday, ma'am. It's Wednesday. Rubbish. I remember distinctly going to the doctor yesterday afternoon with my wound. It has to be dressed every other day, you know. No, today is Thursday, and today is astrology. Yes, yes ma'am. Ma no. Where were we? Ah, yes. The 11th sign of the Zodiac. It, it, oh, attention, boys. I see the rector approaching. Stand. Oh, how are we, eh? How's the education getting on and all that? Oh, very well, Sir Rector. Thank you. Oh, excellent, excellent. Perhaps you would resolve a small difficulty for us, Sir Rector. Oh, oh, glad to if I can. Can't say I remember much of Latin and stuff after all this time. Oh, it's nothing like that, Sir Rector. It's simply that we have a difference of opinion about what day it is. What day? Well, that's simple. It's a... It's a... Let me see. It's Wednesday, Father. The Wart and I went hawking yesterday. And we always go hawking on Tuesdays, don't we, Wart? Yes. Wednesday. By George, I think it is. Thursday. Thursday? I shall go mad. I know I shall. My wound will never heal at this rate. Never. Ah, yes, your poor wound. I was going to ask... Very painful sitting down on a piece of armour, especially when it's a sharp bit. What? <laughs> How is it now? Bad. Very bad. I'm getting worse. I can feel it getting worse by the minute. It's much worse since you arrived, Sir Rector. Would you like to see it? Oh, I sir. Surely you'd like to see oh, it. Oh, steady on. You will see it. You will see how I suffer. You will. There. Ooh, sir. <laughs> God. You there, you too. <laughs> Remove this woman. <laughs> Sword in the Stone. The novel by T.H. White, dramatised for radio by Neville Teller. Starring Michael Horton as Merlin and Toby G. Robertson as Wart. With the original music by Benjamin Britten, conducted by Stuart Bedford. The Sword in the Stone. As I was saying, or is it as I was about to say, I'm the worst person in the world to tell you what happened. Second sight, quite fatal to storytelling, terrible disability. I always know what has happened and what will happen all at the same time. The result's appalling. Everything gets completely muddled up. Now, I haven't told you my name yet. I'm quite sure about that. Uh, I haven't, have I? No. It's Merlin. You may have heard of me. Or you may be going to hear of me. <laughs> there you are, you see. <laughs> now, have you learned how Kay and Wart 
lost their governess. You have? Well, I'm quite sure I didn't tell you. And I'm quite sure I'm not going to. But Sir Grummore Grummerson didn't know. So his old friend, Sir Hector, gave him the whole sorry story. Had to get rid of her, of course, Grummore. <laughs> Damn it all, you couldn't stand that sort of thing in the castle. Gives the serfs and the villains the wrong sort of idea and all that. Quite agree. Yeah, but that leaves us a bit of a problem. After all, damn it all, we can't have the boys running about all day like hooligans. After all, damn it all, ought to be having a first-rate education at their age. Oh, damn good port this. Then pass it. So what would you advise, Grammar? Oh, well, that... Uh... It takes a deal thinking about it, if you don't mind my saying so. Oh, no, I don't mind you saying that at all. Very kind of you to say anything. Much obliged, I'm sorry. Help yourself to the port. Now, about these boys. How many of them are there, do you know? Oh, two. Uh, counting them both, that is. Kay, that's my boy. And Wart, the lad I'm bringing up. Wart? This odd sort of name for a lad. Oh, that's Kay's idea. Wart more or less rhymes with Art. Art's short for his real name, you see, so he's the Wart. Do you understand? Ah. Uh, no, not quite. Mm. Where did you get this poem? Oh, a friend of mine. What about these boys? Ah, boys, boys. Couldn't send them to Eton, I suppose. Long way and all that, we know. Well, it isn't so much the distance, but that giant what's-his-name is in the way. Yeah, what is his name? Gallopas. Oh, the very chap. Well, then the only other thing is to have a tutor. A tutor? But how would you get one? Why not start a quest? You mean a quest for a tutor? Is it? Hick, I cock, yeah. Have some more of this drink, whatever it calls itself. So it was decided. When Sir Grummore Grummerson had gone away the next day, Sir Hector tied a knot in his handkerchief to remember to start a quest for a tutor as soon as he had time. Then he promptly forgot he'd done it and swore at the laundry maid for getting the washing in a tangle. Meanwhile, as it was July and a glorious summer, the boys would have been excused from being educated just then in any case. So they ran wild and did whatever they liked. More or less. Come on, Walt, there's nobody here. Where's Hob then? He's away for the afternoon. I say, should we come into the news when the Australians aren't here? Well, they should be. One of them's always supposed to be on duty to guard the hunting birds. But we're not to blame if they're not here. I vote we take a kestrel and see if we can get some rabbits in the chase. Kestrel? That's for children. No, we'll take Cully. Oh, but Kay, the goshawk, in the malt? Oh, Cully's all right. He knows me. I'll carry him. Come on. He's right over there at the far end. Hello, Cully, old man. There's a good fellow. Hand me the blanket, Bort. There's a good Cully. Come on, old chap. He won't jump, Kay. Then I'll take him up. There now. Do you really think we should fly him? Deep in the malt like this? Of course we can fly him, you ninny. He only wants to be carried a bit, that's all. Don't forget the lure. Hobbs says that we mustn't fly Cully till he has roused at least twice. 
Pop knows nothing about it. No one can tell whether a hawk's fit to fly except the man carrying it. Hob's only a villain, anyway. Now let's undo these trappings. Look, he's trying to rouse. Of course he is. Over there, a rabbit. So ho! Told you, he wasn't properly in the arrack. Okay, he's not gone for the rabbit at all. He's up that tree. Come on, Collie. Come down, old man. Collie! Swing the lure. He'll come to that. Come on, old fellow. Come on, Collie. It's no good, Kay. He won't move. Let him go, then. He's no use anyway. We couldn't leave him. What would Hobbs say? It's my hawk, not Hobbs. What does it matter what Hobbs says? He's a servant. You'd better stay yourself if you're so keen on it. I'm going home. All right, I'll stay. Provided you send Hob when you get there. Stay, then. Who wants the wooden, stupid hawk anyway? Don't be too long, Kay. We'll be getting dark soon. Send Hob as soon as you can. <laughs> Cully, you wicked bird. What a dance you're leading me. I don't know where we are. Cully! I've never been so far from the castle before. Cully! Cully, not into the forest! Cully, are you there? You haven't flown away, have you? Oh, Cully, now I've lost myself and I've lost you. What am I to do? Oh, dear. You... Over there. What's that? Who spoke? Aided. Aim over here. Where? Oh, I didn't see you. It's so very still in the moonlight. It's difficult to tell you from the trees. You'd stay still if you were in a full suit of armour, what? Yes, but your horse isn't moving either. I dare say you wouldn't move very much if you were a horse with a nate in full armour on your back. I suppose not. Did I hear you say you were lost? Yes, I am. Can you tell me the way back to Sir Hector's castle? Just a minute while I open this visor. Aha! Uh -huh. Whom have we here, what? Please, I am a boy whose guardian is Sir Hector. A charming fellow. Never met him in my life. Can you tell me the way back to his castle? Faintest idea. Stranger in these parts myself. I'm lost. Funny thing, that. Now, I've been lost for 17 years. Name of King Pellinore. You may have heard of me, what? Seventeen years ago, come Michaelmas and been after the cresting beast ever since. Boring, very. should think it would be. It's the burden of the Pellinores. Only a Pellinore can catch it. That is, of course, or his next of kin. Train all the Pellinores with that idea in mind. Limited education, rather. Fumits and all that. I know what fumits are. The droppings of the beast pursued. The harbour keeps them in his horn to show his master. Intelligent child, very. Now, A carry fumits about with me practically all the time. Insanitary habit. What does the questing beast look like? Ah, we call it the beast glattisant, you know. Now, the beast glattisant, or as we say in English, the questing beast, uh, you may call it either, has the head of a serpent, the body of a libard, the haunches of a lion, and he's footed like a heart. Wherever he goes, he makes a noise in his belly like thirty couple of hounds cresting. It must be a dreadful kind of monster. Oh, dreadful. And how do you follow it? I have a bratchet hound. She's over there with her lead round that tree. But she's far too friendly. I sometimes doubt whether she's really chasing the beast at all, you know. Oh, well, I dare say she'll get to after a time. It's the curse of the Pellinores. Always mollicking after that beastly beast. First, you have to unwind the bratchet. Then your laser falls down. 
Then you can't see through your spectacles. I can't see through them very well at the moment. Nowhere to sleep. All this horrid armour takes hours to put on. And when it's on, it's either fraying or freezing. And it gets rusty. You have to sit up all night polishing the stuff. If A was rich, do you know what A'd buy? A nice bed with a nice pillow and a nice sheet. Then I'd put this beastly horse in a meadow until that beastly bratchet to run away and play and throw all this beastly armour out of the window and let the beastly cresting beast go and chase himself. That A would. If you could show me the way home, I'm sure Sir Hector would put you up in a bed for the night. Do you really mean it? In a bed? A feather bed with down pillows. With down pillows? Fleas in the bed? Not one. Well, it does sound too nice for words. A must say. A feather bed and none of those fumits. How long did you say it would take us to get there? Two hours. Whatever's that? Hark! What is it? The beast! The Christian beast! Hey, must be off! Quick, where's my laugh? Where's my spear? There's off! Undo that wretched, my boy! Stout fellow! <laughs> Let her go, what? Farewell, my boy! Yikes! Ah, yikes! And it which I hope explains, to your complete satisfaction, exactly how young Wart chanced to be in the neighbourhood of my cottage the following morning. With my second sight, of course, I knew he was on his way. That's the nastiest part of knowing the future, even worse than getting things in a muddle. You can never be surprised by anything. You can't imagine how boring life gets. No wonder I sometimes get a bit ratty. Drat this well, drat this candle. Drat the whole thing. You think that after all these years of study, you could have found a better way of getting water than a fire lady well with a fire lady bucket. Ah, so, there you are. Well, I should come, my beauty. Excuse me, sir, but can you tell me the way to Director's Castle, if you don't mind? Your name would be the Wart? Yes, sir, please, sir. And you've been out in the forest all night? Yes, sir, please, sir. My name's Merlin. How do you do? How do? Do you like peaches? Very much indeed. Well, they're scarcely in season, but follow me to my cottage over there and we'll see. May I carry your bucket for you, sir? Ah, how kind. Yes, yes. Take it while I pick up this wand of mine and put on my spectacles. Never seen glasses like those before. They remind me of scissors. Yeah, they're, they're made to a special design of my own. They won't be invented for a thousand years. Now, where's the key? It's certainly not this one. Nor this. It might be this one. No, it isn't. Ah, here we are, I rather imagine. Ah, it is. Come in, come in. Put that bucket over there. What a lovely cottage. Ah, you like it? <laughs> Let me show you around. Now, as you can see, the inside is divided into two parts. The main bit here, um, you might call the all-purpose room. The smoke from the fire down here goes out through the hole up there in the roof, see? How does it know the way out? Often it doesn't. It goes chasing around the rest of the cottage, trying to find it. 
Now, the other half of the cottage over there is divided into two rooms by that floor. The top half is my bedroom and study, and the bottom half serves for a larder, stable and barn. Stable? Of course. Where else would my little white donkey live? Are you there, old boy? That's the spirit. And how do you get up to bed? By ladder, of course. Perhaps you aren't as intelligent a child as I first took you for. Come on. I'll climb up first. And you come up after me. Don't you find that gown a bit awkward to climb ladders in? It's very long. A bit awkward. It's very awkward. And once I'm up there, you know, I have to take off this pointed hat of mine. Or it gets knocked off by the rafters still. Small price to pay. Come on. Now, let me give you a hand. you haven't. When have you seen all in the one room? Stuffed popinjays, maggot pies, kingfishers and peacocks, and a reputed phoenix. That's the reputed phoenix over there. It smells a bit peculiar. Rather like incense and cinnamon. And all these books. I've never imagined so many all in one place. And all covered in leather. Or a fox's mask and a 40-pound salmon and boar's tusks and tiger's claws. What's that? Those are my badgers. Look, over there, by that sort of aquarium, and there aren't any fish in that glass tank, you know, I keep my six grass snakes in there. Good gracious me! There's an owl flying about. Oh, isn't he lovely? Look out! He's landing on your head. Don't his claws scratch when he perches up there like that? Oh, can't you see this skull cap of mine? That's one of the reasons I wear it. There is no owl. Who said that? The owl, of course. Don't worry, Archimedes, it's only a boy. There is no boy. We see so little company that Archimedes is a little shy of strangers. Archimedes, I want you to meet a friend of mine called Wart. Now say how do you do properly. I will not. Oh, he is lovely. I wish he'd talk to me. Perhaps if you were to give him this mouse I keep in my skull cap, he might learn to like you better. Don't you mind keeping a mouse on top of your head all day? Certainly not. Most convenient. What else do you keep in your skull cap? Worms for fishing. Among other things. Here you are, Archimedes. Try this lovely mouse. <coughs> now, breakfast. Over here, by the window. It's all ready. Wow. <laughs> I take it you like peaches, because you told me, but what about melon? and strawberries and cream, and rusks, and brown trout piping hot, and grilled perch, and deviled chicken, and kidneys and mushrooms on toast, and fricassee and curry. Most of them. <laughs> what do you drink? Boiling coffee, or best chocolate made with cream? Chocolate, please. Well, oh, tuck in. Have some mustard. The mustard pot, look, is walking over the tablecloth towards me. Well, much more convenient than you stretching over to it. Serve the boy with mustard, then. Good gracious! One hand is taking his lid off, and the other is spooning out the mustard. What a lovely pot! Wherever mm. did you get it? It's not a bad pot. Only it's inclined to give itself airs. Would you mind if I ask you a question? That's what I'm for. How did you know to set breakfast for two? <clears throat> well, now... How can I explain? Ordinary people 
are born forwards in time, if you understand what I mean. And nearly everything goes forward, too. Unfortunately, I was born at the wrong end of time, and I have to live backwards from in front. Some people call it having second sight. Have I told you this before? No, we only met a few minutes ago. Am I going to tell you it again? I don't know, unless you haven't finished telling me yet. <laughs> don't jump. Archimedes is going to land on your shoulder. How do you do? Oh, wow. Look, he's decided to talk to me. I shall call him Archie. Uh, I, I trust you will do nothing with the <laughs> You're young and don't understand these things. But you will learn that owls are the most courteous creatures living. You must never be familiar or vulgar with them, or make them look ridiculous. Their mother is Athene, the goddess of wisdom. No owl can possibly be called Archie. I'm sorry, Al. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've finished breakfast, I think it's high time we all three found our way back to Sir Hector. Uh, excuse me a moment. Breakfast things, wash yourselves up. Nobody's to get broken, mind. coming all the way home with me. Why not? How else can I be your tutor? Come on! Let's be on our way! Look who I've brought. I've been on a quest. The owl's called Archimedes. Look, Hob, we've got Cully. Oh, Master, we shall make an ostringer of it yet. Oh, there's a good Cully, good old fella. Merlin caught him. He sent Archimedes to look for him on the way home. Oh, look, Merlin, that's Kay coming, with Sir Hector and our nurse. Hello, Kay. I've got a magician for our tutor. He has a mustard pot that walks. I am glad you're back, Wart. But where did you sleep, Master Art? Oh, look at your clean jerkin, all mudded and torn... Such a turn you gave us, I really don't know. Oh, look at your poor hair with all them twigs in it. Oh, my own random, wicked little lamb. Well, 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 here we are again, eh? What the devil have you been doing, eh? Sitting the whole household upside down? The castle of Forest Sauvage will never be the same again. Oh, sir, I've been on that quest, you said, for a tutor, and I found him. No. Please, he's this gentleman here, and he's called Merlin. He's got some badgers and hedgehogs and mice and things on this white donkey because we couldn't leave them behind to starve. He's a great magician and can make things come out of the air. Ah, a magician. White magic, I hope. Assuredly. Oh, well, he ought to have some testimonials, you know. It's usual. Testimonials? Oh, Take your pick. A tablet signed by Aristotle, a parchment signed by Hecate, or a typewritten duplicate signed by the Master of Trinity. He had them up his sleeve, you know. Can you do anything else? Three! Oh. Oh. You can pick those plums, if you like. They're quite real. They do it with mirrors. Snow! Oh. Stop it, Merlin! We're all freezing! We're all casual done by hypnotism. But that'll do, you know. That'll do very well. I'm sure he'll make an excellent tutor for teaching these boys. Imagine young Bort doing a quest like that all by himself. 
well, well. I don't think much of it as a quest. He only went after the hawk, after all. And got the hawk, Master Kay. That he did. Well done, young Wart. Well done. Have I already told you it was a scorching summer that year? It was all because of the weather that young Wart's first lesson turned out the way it did. <laughs> Very nearly his last. Phew, it's hot. Like the inside of an oven. Look down there, in the moat. Doesn't the water seem inviting? It must be cool under all those water lilies. Oh, yes. I wish I was a fish. What sort of a fish? I think... I think I should like to be a perch. They're braver than the silly roach, and not quite so slaughterous as the pike. A perch? I didn't mean it. Watch carefully, and be ready for anything. I lift my wand... So, and... I'm a fish! I'm a fish! Oh, Merlin, please come too. Just for this once, I will come. Where are you? I'm the tench, swimming just above you. See? But it is just this once. In future, you know, you'll have to go by yourself. Education is experience. And the essence of experience is self-reliance. It's very difficult, being a fish. I keep going round and round like a corkscrew. Not like that. Put your chin on your left shoulder and do jackknives. See if you can join me. Come on. I'm coming. There. I seem to have got the hang of it now. Splendid. Well, let's go for a little swim. What a wonderful feeling. I don't weigh anything at all. It's just like flying. Whee! Look over there. Oh, yes. That school of sticklebacks all doing their PE in strict time. Up, down, up, down. Look up above you. It's a funny sort of sky. Just a circle. And there's a swan. Poor swan. It's got a deformed leg. Can only paddle with one. Stop and nonsense, young perch. We swans like to rest in this position. And you can keep your fishy sympathy to yourself, so there. There's nothing wrong with my legs. And you're a fine one to criticise. Sorry? You swim along as if there was nothing to be afraid of in the world. Just look over there. Why, it's only a baby pike lying asleep in the warm water. That baby will soon grow up to be a brigand. I'm taking you to see one of those pikes. The emperor of all these purlieus. As a doctor, I have immunity, and I dare say he will respect you as my companion as well. But you'd better keep your tail bent in case he's feeling tyrannical. Is he the king of the moat? He is. Old Jack, they call him, and some Black Peter. But for the most part, they don't mention him by name at all. They just call him Mr. M. You'll see what it is to be a king. Is that him over there, in the shadows among those stems? That's him. See? 
He's four feet long. What a fearful, terrible, pitiless face. It is the face of a despot. But just look at his great jewel of an eye, like a stricken deer's, full of sorrow. Why does he hang there, so still and silent? Lord, I have brought a young professor who would learn to profess. To profess what? Power. Let him speak for himself. Please, I don't know what I ought to ask. Then I will instruct you. There is nothing except power. Power to grind and power to digest. Power to seek and power to find. All power and pitilessness springing from the nape of the neck. Thank you. There is only power. But the mind's power alone is not enough. The power of strength decides everything in the end. And only might is right. Now, I think it is time you went away, young master. For I find this conversation excessively exhausting. I think you should go away, really, almost at once, in case my great disillusioned mouth should suddenly determine to introduce you to my great guilds. Yes, I really think you ought to go away this very moment. Merlin, what a narrow escape. One second more and he'd have had me. Who'd have thought that all that was going on down there under those water lilies? Let that be a lesson to you to be on your guard. Always be on your guard. Danger lurks all around you. Remember what I say. But did he remember? <laughs> of course not. And I only said it because my second sight showed me the fearsome danger that lay ahead. But who could expect a young fellow, my lad, to keep a warning like that in his head for more than two minutes together? That's another out, okay? Have another try. You're plucking and you're loose. One last flight. <laughs> Sorry, outer again. Oh, come on. I'm sick of these beastly targets. Let's have a shot at the popping jay. Oh, all right. I'll sit it up. You go back there and see how you do. I'm not informed today, but I'll have a try. Ready? Ready. <laughs> Missed, I'm afraid. Oh, bother it. Well, let's stop for today. Let's unstring our bows. But first we lose our final shots. Up into the air, as usual. As a gesture of farewell to the day. You first, Kate. Now mine. Oh, it's a good one. Up and up. It's top the trees. It's burning against the evening sky. <coughs> Just look at that crow. It snatched my arrow out of the sky and gone off with it. I've never heard of such a thing. How dare it? It's a bad sign, Wart. An ill omen. That crow was a witch. 
I don't care if it was ten witches. I'm going to get my arrow back. But it flew towards the forest. And I'm going after it. You can go alone, then. I'm not going into the forest, Sauvage, just for a putrid arrow. I shall go alone. Oh, well. I suppose I shall have to come, too, if you're so set on it. Come on, then. I say, I never knew there were any cottages so close. It's just like Merlin's. Look, there's even a well in the front garden. The place probably belongs to a wizard. I want to have a look at it. Come on, Kay. Oh, all right. Look at this. There's a brass plate screwed on the garden gate. Madam Mim B.A. Dom Daniel. Madam Mim? Have you ever heard of her ward? Never. There's some more writing underneath. Pianoforte, needlework, necromancy. No hawkers, circulars, or income tax. Beware of the dragon. Dragon? Do you think she keeps a pet dragon? I say, Walt. There's a lady peeping out at us behind those lace curtains. Don't know about a dragon, but there's that great gore crow up there standing on the chimney. Let's go, Walt. Oh, do come on. She'll never give that arrow back to us. I don't like this place. How do you do, my dears? And what can I do for you today? Please, there's a crow sitting on your chimney, and I think it has stolen one of my arrows. Precisely. I have the arrow within. Could I have it back, please? Inevitably. The young gentleman shall have his arrow on the very instant. In four ticks and ere the bat squeaks thrice. Thank you very much. Step forward on the threshold. Few can believe how we ignoble tenants of the lower classes value a visit from the landlord's sons. We would like to come in very much. But you see, we shall be late already. The fare is lowly. No doubt it is not what you would be accustomed to eating. So naturally, such highly born ones would not care to partake. Oh, why not, Wart? We needn't be back before Vespers. Enter. Enter. Now. Aha! Two fine specimens by the neck. Here comes to bother as much as you like, my fine gentleman. Let's go to my humble abode, shall we? And now, to my backyard. We thought that the growing sportsman would care to examine our rabbits. See, we keep rabbits in those hutches ranged along the back there. You're pinching my neck. Anyway, I can't see any rabbits. He can't see any rabbits. Look closer, my young gentleman. This first hutch is certainly empty of rabbits, but it has an occupant. A poor, ragged old owl. Put me down, madam, if you please. I am the son of Sir Ector of the castle of the Foy Sauvage. All in good time. And here is hutch number two. You've got a little boy in there. Poor little chap. Hello. Oh, he won't talk to you. I've seen to that. <laughs> and what do you think of hutch number three? My mo Or this one? <laughs> yes, my poor mangy old goat. But what is this? Two empty hutches at the end of the row. Why, this will never do. Grizzle greedy guts, fly down from that chimney. Pull back the bolts on those two hutches. Three times three with your strong beak. And Greedy Gut shall have eyes for supper, round and blue. At your command. 
And now, my young gentleman, you in that one, in you go. No, no! And you in there. Uh, Let me out! And now, for the magic key. Once. And once again. Oh, yes, you'll come out. You won't stay in there very long, I promise you. You'll come out when I have whispered my magic words in the keyholes. For the locks on your hutches are magic, and they cannot be opened any other way. Also, <laughs> Ekdor will come for you. Hark to the little varmint. Hark to the sweet, audacious, tender little veal. He answers back and threatens us with Ekdor on the very brink of the pot. Now we'll have that one jug for Sunday, if I can get a bit of wine to go in the pot. And the other one we'll have on the morn's moon, by Ching and by Jell. For how can I keep my sharp fork out of him a minute longer? Now I must make my preparations. Take heart, my two young gentlemen. I shan't be long. <laughs> I don't want to be eaten for Sunday dinner. It's all your fault, Ward. Hey. Hey. Hey, there. Is that you, Goat? It is. <coughs> but whisper if you want to talk. That carrion crow on the chimney is keeping an eye on us. Are you one of the witch's familiars? No, I'm not a familiar. I'm only a mangy old black goat. Rather tattered, as you see. Will she eat you too? Oh, not she. I should be too rank for her sweet tooth. No, she'll be using me in her black ceremonies on Walpurgis night. Oh, dear me. Oh, don't worry. It's quite a long way off, you know. If only I could get out. I know a magician who would soon settle her hash and rescue us all. Really? Really, now, as a matter of fact, I know how to get you out. Only I didn't like to mention it before. Put your ear near the bars. Yes? I know how to get you out, but not your poor friend there who's crying. You see, when she whispers to the lock... I've heard what she says, but only at the locks on either side of mine. When she gets a cage away, her voice is too soft. So I know the words to release you and me, and the black cockerel here too, but not your young friend yonder. Why ever haven't you let yourself out before then? Ah, you see, I can't speak them in human speech. And this poor witless boy here, he can't speak them either. Oh, do tell me them. You'll be safe then, and so would I. And the cockerel, if you stayed long enough to let us out. But would you be brave enough to stay, or would you run at once? And what about your friend and the boy and the old owl? I should run for Merlin at once. At once, and he'd come back and kill this old witch in two twos, and then we should all be out. Hmm. I tell you what, then. I'll give you the words only for your own luck. The cockerel and I will stay here with your friend as hostages for your return. Oh, goat. 
You could have made me say the words to get you out first and then gone your way. Or you could have got the three of us out, starting with yourself to make sure and left Kay to be eaten. But you're staying with Kay. <laughs> oh, goat. I will never forget you. And if I don't get back in time, I don't know how I'll go on living. Ah. Well, we shall have to wait till dark. It'll only be a few minutes now. See over there? There's Madame Mim lighting the oil lamp in her parlour. Goat, put your head closer still. <laughs> Please, Goat, I'm not trying to be better than you, but I have a plan. <laughs> I think it'd be better if I stayed as a hostage and you went. You have four legs and can run much faster than I. You go with a message for Merlin. I will whisper you out. Uh, and, and I will stay. With these words, you reveal your true nature. And it is noble. I acknowledge you, O oh master. And I kiss your hand. <laughs> Quick, give me one of your hoofs through the bars, and I'll scratch a message on it with one of my arrows. <laughs> Here. Be quick. There's not much room. I'll just write K A. Why? Kay, there. <coughs> He's more important than I am, and I come quicker for him. Now, do you know the way? Ah, my grandma used to live at the castle. <laughs> now, what are the words? Ah, mine are rather upsetting. What are they? Well, you must say, let good digestion wait upon appetite. Oh, goat, how horrible. <laughs> now. Let good digestion wait upon appetite. There, it's open. Now run quickly, goat. Quickly, for our lives depend on you. And come back safely. I will. Goodbye. Godspeed. safe and sobbing for his dinner. Two little boys safe and neither getting thinner. One mangy goat gone and who cares a fiddle? For the owl is left with a cockerel in the middle. Still, it's a caution how he got out. A proper caution, that it is. Ah, he was whispering to the little boy, whispering for the last half hour together. Indeed. Whispering to the little dinner, eh? Much good may it do him. And what were you doing, my greedy guts, to let them carry on like that? No dinner for you, my little painted bird of paradise. So just flap off to any old tree and roost. Oh, Mother, I was only a doing of my duty. Flap off. Flap off and go broody, if you like. Now, my juicy toothful, it's time to pluck you from your durance vile. First, the magic words. Enough is as good as a feast. We think the cauldron simmers. I won't go. I won't leave this cage. Let go of me, you beast. Let go of me, you foul hag, or I'll bite your fingers. Oh, how the creature scratches. Oh, bless us. How he wriggles and kicks just for being a pagan's dinner. Don't you dare kill me. Don't 
you dare lay a finger on me or you'll be sorry for it. The lamb, the partridge with a plump breast. Mm. How he does squeak. Oh, do you come, my beauty? kitchen. Now, where's my ancient cookery book? Ah, let me see. Um, for the best results, truss the bird before roasting. Where's my trussing rope? I know it's somewhere around here. Ah, yes! Murderous, you'll rue this ere the night is out. Pull the feather with the skin and not against the grain. No, oh, pluck the soft ones out from in the grate with my domain. No, oh, even if he wriggles, never heed his squiggles. Farmers are funny little boys are fighting you to pain. Oh, Oh, my lovely duckling, the skewers go here and the strings go there, and such is my scrumptious suckling. You'll be sorry for this. He has spoken enough. It's time we knocked him on the napper. Hold him by the legs and when up goes his head, clip him with the palm edge and then he is dead. Now we shall see what a double thirst that Dom Daniel avails against the private education of my master, please. We certainly shall. Your servant, sir. Shall we retire into the garden? By all means. I take it we duel according to the accepted rules. Of course. What are the rules, Merlin? First things first. Permit me to dissolve the cords that bind you. Enjoy your freedom, my young master. Why, you may... Your release is but temporary. The rules of a wizard's duel are quite simple, really. The two principals face each other, and when the signal is given, they are at liberty to turn themselves into things. Things? What sort of things? Anything, animal, vegetable or mineral, that would destroy the thing your opponent has become. Now, madame, kindly lead the way. By the way, my second will be my faithful owl... Archimedes. And mine, my gore-crow. Come down, my grizzle, and stop sulking. There's work afoot. First, let me summon Hecate. We must always umpire these events. Hecate, Hecate, witch and warlock. A wizard's duel is in the wind. either party who plays foul. Understood? Now, just let me climb up this stepladder, so, and adjust my eyeshade. There. Now, let battle commence. Madame Mim has started the proceedings with a standard opening move. She's turned herself into a dragon. And how will Merlin respond? Now, we could expect a thunderstorm to put out her fire. But no, Merlin has vanished. Where is he? Ah, there. He's become a field mouse. And, yes, yes, he's nibbling Madame Mim's tail. And now in two shakes of 
that tail. Min's become a furious cat. Better change quickly, Merlin, or she'll have you. <coughs> Clever. He's become another cat. Now, that's quite put her off her stroke. But not for long. Min is now a wolfhound. And so is Merlin. Oh, well played, sir. End of first round. Back to your corners. Even Stephen so far. That's right, Archimedes. You flap your wings and call poor Merlin down. Seconds away. Round two. And now the two combatants face each other once again. Who'll make the first move? It's Mim taking the initiative once more, and she's turned herself into an oak tree, of all things. There's some cunning plan afoot here. How will Merlin react? There's cheek for you. He's turned himself into a blutist and is perching on Mim's branches. She is furious and has instantly become a python. Watch out, little bird. Uh, sorry, little gnat. And now Mim is a toad. One flick of her tongue and... But Merlin's now a heron and Mim a peregrine falcon, diving at 250 miles an hour onto his back. But Merlin's moved again. He's turned into an elephant. And by George, Mim's become an orle, twice as large and twice as powerful. The contest is really hotting up now, and I reckon the competents are tiring fast. Mim's about to attack. Yes, there she goes. But where's Merlin? He's disappeared. If he's left the field, he'll be counted out. One, two, three. Where is he? Four, five. But something's happening to Mim. She's turning red. She's swelling. This is most mysterious. She's fallen. She's dead. Hooray! Good show, sir. Well played. Uh, where are you, Merlin? What was the winning stroke? Quite simple, really. When you're living backwards in time, as I am. I turned myself into the microbes, not to be discovered for hundreds of years, of all the most horrid diseases. Scarlet fever, mumps, whooping cough, measles and heat spots. And, of course, when attacked by a combination of all those, the infamous Madame Mim instantly expired. Masterly. Quite masterly. I often think about that contest in the long winter evenings. Quite proud of myself, I am. But, to tell the truth, I'm prouder of Wart. I think the lad came out of that lesson better than when he went in. <laughs> and you can't ask more of education than that, can you? Yes, young Wart's education was getting on like a house on fire. He'd seen all sorts of things, and he'd been all sorts of things... And he was demonstrating remarkable powers of survival, which was just as well. A number of other admirable qualities were also coming along nicely. It seemed a good idea at the time to have a test of the whole lot. Sort of half-term exam, you might say. I'm afraid it all turned out a little risky. Oh, dear. What is it now? So wet and there's nothing to do. I'm bored. I think I ought to have some more education. But I can't think of anything to do. Yeah. 
You think education is something to be done when all else fails, huh? Oh, Merlin, please find me something to do. Can I go out and be a fish or something? You've been a fish. Nobody with any go needs to do that education twice. Well, a bird, then. If you knew anything at all, you'd know that a bird doesn't like to fly in the rain. It gets bedraggled. I could be a hawk in Hobbs Muse. Then I should be indoors and not get wet. No, that's true. But you'll have to trust to my superior foresight. Or is it backside? At the moment, Hobb is still in the mews feeding the birds. So for the moment, you may as well sit down and learn to be a human being. Very well. Will it be as difficult to fly as it was to swim? Oh, you won't need to fly. I don't mean to turn you into a loose hawk. I'll just set you in the mews for the night so that you can talk to the others. That's the way to learn, by listening to the experts. Will they talk? Oh, yes. They talk every night deep into the darkness. It's military talk, really, like you might have in the mess of a crack regiment. Of course, another subject they have is food. It's, it's a depressing thought, but they're mostly trained by hunger. What a shame. Prisoners and hungry. Well, they don't really understand that they're prisoners. They look on themselves rather like an order of knighthood. How soon can I begin, Merlin? You can begin now, if you want to. My insight tells me that Hobb has this minute finished for the night. But, first of all, you must choose what kind of hawk you'd prefer to be. Oh, that's easy. I should like to be a Merlin. <laughs> Very good choice, too. Now, if you please, we will proceed. Stand over here, in front of me. Here. Now, first I press down on the top of your head, so, and... I'm getting smaller. I'm shrinking. Uh -huh. You're pushing me smaller and smaller. We are substantiva et adjectivum concordat generi numerium et cases. Stand on the ball of your toes. Whoa. Bend at the knees. <gasps> lift your hands to the level of your shoulders. <gasps> and press your first and second fingers together. on my hand and listen carefully to what I say. There. Comfortable? Oh, very, thanks. I shall take you into the mews now that Hobber's locked up for the night and I'll put you loose and unhooded beside Balin and Balan. Now, pay attention. Don't go close to anybody without speaking first. You must remember that most of them are hooded and might be startled into doing something rash. Uh, you can trust Balin and Balan, and, and also the Kestrel and Sparhawk. Don't go within reach of the Falcon unless she invites you to. Now, no account must you stand beside Cully's special enclosure. He's unhooded, and he'll go for you through the mesh if he gets half a chance. He's not quite right in the brains, poor chap. And if he grips you, you'll never leave that grip again. Remember that you're visiting a kind of Spartan military muse. And you are a junior officer. Never interrupt the falcon. She's the honorary colonel of the regiment, you know. Cully's a colonel, too. So you'd better mind your P's and Q's. Oh, be careful. Good. I'll come for you in the morning before Hobbs up. Now, let's be on our way. in their plumed helmets, spurred and armed. What a wonderful sight! They're all so still. As if they were carved in 
and good luck. Gentlemen, you may converse. Damn administration. Damn politicians. Is this again? Devil, I see before me. A hand towards my hand. Damn spot. Not before the younger officers, Colonel, if you don't mind. Uh, beg your pardon, man. It's something that gets into my head, you know. Some deep damnation. Who is the new officer? Speak for yourself, sir. Priest, uh, I'm a Merlin. This is Balan. I'm your friend. Don't be afraid. Call her madam. Oh, thank you, Balan. I'm a Merlin, madam, and it please you. A Merlin? That is good. And what branch of the Merlins do you stoop from? Madam, I'm one of the Merlins of the Forest Sauvage. That is satisfactory. We will proceed with the catechism prior to swearing him in. <laughs> Silence. Merlin of the Forest Sauvage. What is the beast of the foot? Oh, I learned that a long time ago. A beast of the foot is a horse, a hound, or a hawk. Quite right. And why are these called beasts of the foot? Because these beasts depend on the powers of their feet, and any damage to the feet of a hawk, hound, or horse is reckoned a damage to its life. A lamed horse is a murdered horse. Good. And now, what are your most important members? Ah, uh, my wings. Even a thrush has wings. Think. My talons. Mm, that will do. The answer ought to be feet, just as it is to all the other questions. But talons will do. And what is the first law of the foot? Uh, Think. Never let go? Good. 90% right. Uh, that is, if you give him a half for the talons. We will proceed to initiate a new officer. I believe the candidate is loose. Are you loose, candidate? Yes, madam, I am, if you please. Then we will undertake the ordeal. Oh, madam, if you please, I don't think I want an ordeal. The ordeal is customary. Now let me see. What was the last ordeal we had? Can you remember, Captain Vela? My ordeal, madam, was to hang by my jesses during the third watch. If he's loose, he can't do that. Yes, send him over to stand by Colonel Cully while we ring thrice. No, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ladyship, I beg of you not to do that. I'm such a damn in your ladyship that I don't answer for the consequences. Spare the poor boy, your ladyship. Leave me not into temptation. Colonel, control yourself. That ordeal will do very well. Oh, madam, I was warned not to stand by Colonel Cully. Warned? And by whom? I will stand by the Colonel, madam. It is well. But first, we must have the ordeal hymn. Now, Padre. <laughs> Let us sing. Ancient but not modern, number 23, the ordeal hymn. Shame to the slothful and woe to the weak one, death to the dreadful who turn to flee, blood to the tearing, the tall and the beaked one, 
Stand next to Colonel Cully's enclosure while we ring our bells thrice. On the third ring, you may move as quickly as you like. Very good, madam. Good evening, Colonel Cully. Boy, boy, do come near me. Tip of the foul fingers, damnation. I don't fear you, sir. Don't fix yourself, for no harm will come to either of us. They have only to ring three times. Make the first. Madam, madam, have pity on a damned man of blood. Ring out the old, ring in the new. I can't hold off much longer. Be brave, sir. Be brave. Ah, for quite for the bare bodkin. It's done when it is done, and well to done quickly. Who would have thought the young man had so much blood in him? Colonel! Boy, speak. Stop me. Stop me. But I... A cat, look, behind you. Ah, a trick. Farewell, Colonel. Well, stood. A very gentlemanly exhibition. (laughs) Brave heart. Gamefight. Damn fine, yes. brave Might we give him the triumph song, madam? Oh, certainly. The mountain birds are sweeter, but the valley birds are fatter, and so we deemed it meeter to carry off the latter. We met a cow in Coney and struck him through the vitals. The Coney was like honey and squealed at our requitals. Some struck the lark in feathers, whose puffing clouds were shed off. Some plucked the mud's nethers, while others pulled his head off. But what the king of Merlin's struck foot most far before us. His birds and beasts supply our feasts, and his feasts our royal chorus. Mark my words, we shall have a regular king in that young candidate. Now then, boys... Chorus all together for the last time. But what the king of Merlin's struck forth most far before us. His birds and beasts supply our feast and his beasts are And where were you all last night? I believe you climbed out. I shall tell my father and get you tanned. Oh, shut up, Kay. I'm sleepy. Wake up, you beast. Where have you been? I can't tell you. Then I'll jolly well make you. Ow! Let go! Not until you tell me. Stop it! Won't! Ow! Now see what you've done. You've made it bleed. Okay, I am sorry. It's all right. I don't care. I tell you what is unfair. Merlin does everything for you. He never does anything for me. That's true, isn't it? I suppose it is. An interesting sight, your eye. The discoloration, you know, is caused by hemorrhage into the tissues and passes from dark purple through green to yellow before it disappears. I suppose you had it fighting with Kay. Yes. How did you know? 
Yeah, well, there it is. It's about Claire. I came to talk to you. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's unfair that you're always turning me into things and not him. I haven't told him about it, but I think he guesses. I think it's unfair as well. It is unfair. Yeah, but then, you see, I was only sent to give you my extra tuition. I don't see it would do any harm for Kate to come too. Nor do I. But perhaps what's good for you may be bad for him. Suppose he'd gone as a Merlin last night and failed in the ordeal. How do you know about that ordeal? Yeah, well, there it is again. Very well. But suppose he hadn't. I don't see why you have to suppose he would. Oh, flout the boy. What is it you want me to do? Turn me in care into snakes or something. Oh, upon my word, Castor and Pollux blow me to Bermuda. Merlin? Merlin, where are you? Ah, ah. Oh, there you are. Why did you do that? Uh, uh, I didn't do it on purpose. Do you mean to say that Castor and Pollux did blow you to Bermuda? <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you, not to swear. We were talking about Kay. Yes, and what I was going to say before my uh, <clears throat> unscheduled journey was that I can't change Kay into things. The power was not deputed to me when I was sent. Why, I can't say. There, got you. The snake. Oh, how could you hold it like that, Merlin? Don't be afraid of it. It's only a piece of olive lightning with an ochre V behind its shining black head. It can't sting you and it won't bite. It's never done harm to anybody. Yet everyone kills them because some buyer lady fool once said you could tell an adder by the V on its head. Here, catch hold of him. Oh, he's not at all slimy, is he? He's dry and rough and really quite warm. But, boy, he smells awful. That's one of the ways he protects himself. That and his speed. You asked to be turned into a snake. Do you want that? Yes, please. It's not much of a life. Don't think you'll get anything very exciting happen to you. That chap probably eats only once a week. The rest of the time he dreams. Still, if I turned you into one, you might get him to talk. It won't be much more than that. I should like it all the same. Well, let the snake go then. There we go. Sit down and wait. You can't talk to me now. The change has occurred. Pour off then. Go and search for your friend in the nettles. Goodbye. just got away. Oh, the horrid creature. Did you notice how it smelled? Oh, I don't think I was ever so frightened in my life. I shouldn't worry. That particular human is fond of snakes, as I happen to know. <gasps> to eat? No, no. He's friendly with them and has some as pets. We, uh, he, I mean, that is, spends most of the botany hours looking for frogs to feed them on. Do you happen to know its sex? It was a male. 
H. Sapiens Barbatus Masculinus. Mm. And what is your name, my child? Well, I'm called Wart. Oh, it's a funny sort of name. What's yours? T. Natrix. Does the C stand for anything? Well, not Tommy, if that's what you mean. It's Tropidonatus in my family always. Didn't your mother teach you these things? I never had a mother. Oh, I am sorry. I hope I haven't hurt your feelings. Do you mean to say you never had anybody to teach you the legends and dreams and all that? Never. Oh, you poor newt. What do you do when you hibernate, then? I suppose I just go to sleep. And not dream? No, I don't think so. Not much. Tell me some of the things that you think about. That I will. I'll teach you the sort of thing that all snakes revolve in their small, slow winter brains while the snow shuffles down outside. Or, for that matter, in the summer, too, as they snooze beside the warm stones. Would you rather have history or legends? I think history. History. Well, you must forget about us. There is no history in me or you. We are individuals, too small for our great sea to care for. That is why I don't have any special name, but only T. Natrix, like all my forefathers. Oh, I see. There is one thing all we snakes remember, child. Except for two beings, we are the oldest in the world. Look at that ridiculous age, Sapiens, which gave me such a fright just now. It was born when? Ten, twenty thousand years ago. <laughs> what do tens and twenties matter? It was a hundred million years ago that life came to the great sea, and the fishes bred within it. They were the oldest beings. Their children climbed out and stood on the bosky shore, and they were the amphibia, like our friends, the newts. The third people who sprang from them were the reptiles. Some of us learned how to fly. Do you mean that when you were born there were no animals? No dogs or cats or horses? That's history. One of those eight sapiens Barbados might think of that next time he murders Teenatrix for being a viper. Hmm. Dream about it while you hibernate. I will, but I'm not very sleepy at present. Aren't you? You should be. Hibernation is near. In the great sea, the stars swing over. The eternal whirlpool flows. Rest, rest, wild head, in the old bosom which neither feels. No, no. She only rocks us, cradled in heaven, the reptile and the rose. Our waters, which bore us, will receive us. Good night and sweet repose. Wake up. Wake up, I say. Look lively there. 
It's time for tea. So the turning year turned, and soon everybody was preparing for winter, and the scent of Christmas was in the air. At night, they spent most of the time rescuing Daddy Longlegs from their candles and rushlights. But in the daytime, everybody was at a different job. Threshing in the granary, sowing winter rye and wheat in the fields, dragging in timber from the forest sauvage for the castle fires. Everybody was happy. Until a certain messenger arrived at the castle. Then Sir Ector was very unhappy indeed. Hills, bells, and buckets of blood! A letter from His Majesty, and what a letter! I can scarcely believe me ears. Read it again, Master Secretary. <clears throat> the King to Sir Ector. Greetings, our well-beloved Lord of the Forest Sauvage. Well-beloved! We send you William Twitty, our huntsman, and his fellows to hunt in the Forest Sauvage with our boar hounds in order to capture two or three boars. You are to cause the flesh they capture to be salted and kept in good condition, uh, but the skins you are to cause to be bleached. Bleached? Uh, bleached? Uh, well, go on, man. And we command you to provide necessaries for them as long as they shall be with you by our command. His command! Uh, witnessed at the Tower of London, this 20th day of November, in the 12th year of our reign... Uther Pendragon. It's monstrous. That's what it is. Monstrous. To send a royal huntsman and a troop of graceless villains just to capture a couple of boars in my forest. As if the king couldn't simply ask me for the boars in the first place. The season doesn't start till the 25th of December. So this pretty fellow's probably going to insist on one of those damned Boxing Day meets. All show off and no business, with hundreds of people all hollering and hitting the ball. Oh, just thinking about it's going to ruin me Christmas, I promise you. Oh, I don't think it'll do that, Sir Ector. Surely. Director, a Merry Christmas, sir. And many of them, young Roger. How's the wife? Hey, coming along nicely, Sir Rector. Baby's due next month. Jolly good. <laughs> now then, everybody. Now then. Friends, tenants, and otherwise, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking, it is my pleasant duty to welcome all and sundry to this our homely Christmas feast. Tonight, we welcome in our midst the famous King Pellinore, whose labours in ridding our forest of the redoubtable Questing Beast are well known to us all. Oh, oh I say, no. God bless King Pellinore! Also... Sir Grammo Grammerson, a sportsman, though I say it to his face, 
of the First Order. Very, very kind of you, Professor. Finally, last but not least, we are honoured by a visit from His Majesty's most famous huntsman, Master William Twitty. Well, I feel sure. Show us such sport tomorrow that we will rub our eyes and wish that such a royal pack of hounds could always be hunting in the forest we all love so well. I am sure I speak for the whole company when I say we all look forward to tomorrow's meet. Master Twitty, we were all here on time, what? A creditable turnout, Master of Hounds. Shall we lead the way together? March on, Master Twitty. Say, <laughs> Pelinor, did you remember to sharpen your spear? Pelinor? Pelinor! Where, where, where have you got to, old fella? In back here, among the villagers. Safety in numbers and all that. What? Uh, I said, did you remember to sharpen your spear? Yes, well. Oh, it's certainly a good day for the sportmaster. Cold and crisp and the snores laying even, what? Well, let's wait here at the edge of the forest for a ball to catch up. Now then, Master Twitty. Where shall we go for our first draw? Let's get the Limerers with the two bloodhounds to the fore. Limera? Limera, I say! Coming, Master Twitty. Uh, be it time to take the lead. The game's in your hands, Limera. Right. Away then! Follow on! Well done, Twitty. Splendid hunt, Benny. Ah, uh, thank you, Sir Hector. That's the way to chase a piece of venery, I will say. Easy! Easy! What is it, Pelinor? Oh, how quick! Is he all right, do you suppose? A excitable character, very. Yes. Better follow up, I suppose, all the same and see what he's doing. Probably falling in a There, there, it didn't mean to leave you all together. It was only because they wanted to sleep in a feather bed. Just for a bit. He was coming back, honestly, he was. Oh, please don't day beast and leave me without me a few minutes. Good grief. What on earth has he got there? It's the question beast. How, how did you find it? It happened on it in this gospel here, with snow all over its poor back and tears in its eyes, and nobody to care for it in the weird world. Poor thing. This is what comes of not leading a regular life. Before, he used to quest for it daily, and we both went to bed at half past ten. Now look at it. It's gone to pieces. <laughs> in oh, stop bleating and do something. What? Fetch a couple of poles so we can carry old Gladys and home. A couple of poles, eh? Yes. Uh, 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 you, Hector. Oh, um, yes. Uh, send someone ahead to make sure the kitchen fire's blazing and there's some bread and milk waiting. Oh, certainly, Pelinor, certainly. And you, Twitty, or whatever you choose to call yourself, stop fiddling with that trumpet of yours and run ahead and get some blankets warmed. Ah, yes, Your Majesty. Don't do that! And when we get home, the first thing will be a nourishing meal. 
And then if you're all right in the morning, I'll give you a couple of hours start, and then hey-ho for the old life once again. What about that, Gladys and Day? Yes, that's right. It didn't take more than three bottles of brandy and six pints of milk, and the questing beast was as right as rain again. Off it galumped into the forest one day, with old Pelinor mollocking after, hard on its heels, and they were both as happy as sand boys again. Meanwhile, the festive season was soon forgotten. Spring had crept up on the forest sauvage, and it was time young Wart had another dose of education. And then, one of my brilliant ideas. I'd use my best magic to give him a lesson he'd never forget. Have you ever seen a giant? No, I never have. Why, may I? Just catch hold of my hand a moment. Yes? We are going to visit the giant Galapas. Now listen carefully. Yes, Merlin? You are invisible at the moment. Good heavens, so I am. Listen, I said, you are invisible at the moment because you're holding my hand. I am able to keep myself invisible by an exercise of willpower. And exceedingly exhausting it is, too. I can keep you invisible only as long as you hold on to me. The moment you let go, you become visible. Do you understand? Yes. Mm. And if you do that, in the presence of Galapas, he'll munch you up in two bites. So, hold on. Very well, Merlin. Right then, hold tight, and we'll start. <laughs> There's Galapas. Keep hold of my hand, whatever you do. He's not big at all. Not big? He's ten feet tall, and that's extremely big for a giant. I chose the best one I knew. Even Goliath was only six cubits in the span, or nine feet four inches. Oh, if you don't like him, you can go home. I'm sorry. I mean to be ungrateful, Merlin. Yeah. Only I thought they were sixty feet tall, and that sort of thing. Sixty feet. What's that noise? Bats, I suppose. How they do squeak. Now I'm off. <laughs> After him. Where's he going? Down. Down to his dungeons. To gloat over his wretched prisoners, I expect. Yes. He's even going down past the cellars with all that wine. Oh, it's all cobwebby. I wonder who he's got locked up down here. See all those cell doors? Reminds me of Madame Mim. They'd make a good pair. Ah, you, number one prisoner. Are you going to give me back my patent unbreakable helm? Not your helm. It's my invention and my patent. No dinner for you tomorrow. <laughs> now you, number two prisoner, Mr. Journalist. Have you made up your mind yet to say that the Queen of Sheba made an unprovoked attack on me? And that I took her country in self-defense. No, I haven't. Rubber truncheons for you in the morning. <laughs> Next. Ah, the dirty Englishman. Huh? What about that ransom? I'm not dirty. Or I wasn't until I fell into that beastly pit. Now I've got pain needles all down my back. What have you done with my toothbrush, you... 
champ. And where did you put my poor little bratchet, what? Never mind your bratchet and your toothbrush. What about the ransom, you idiot? I want to brush my teeth. They feel funny. We'll have to rescue him. It's poor old King Pelinor. He must have fallen into one of those traps while he was after the questing beast. Who's there? It's nothing. Only a mouse. Nonsense. Mouses don't talk in human speech. Eek? You can't fool me. I shall come for you with my shining blade, and I'll see what you are, by yay or by nay. Don't be silly, it's only a mouse. It's an invisible magician. <laughs> and as for invisible magicians, I slit them up, see? I rip them, and I tear them. Now, where are you? Look behind you. But your voice is in front. Come on, Walt, run, hold tight. Oh, my hand slips. Ah, a visible magician. And only a small one. Now for my sword. Catch hold, you idiot there. This way. Gone again. But I'll hit out all the same. <laughs> it's it. It's it. What's it? It. It. Itself. Good old beast. Look at that egg. Ask your good old beast. Fetch him along there, old lady. Bring him on there, good old gal. Thank heavens it's Dr. Keys. Come on, Molly, let's open all the cell doors. Invisible fears always are worse than they seem, aren't they? And even the greatest adversities can be overcome with a little spirit <laughs> and a little help. Yes, I think that last lesson was well worth the learning. Talking of education, of course, you ordinary mortals who haven't got my foresight and second sight and all that couldn't be expected to know, but the time for schooling was very nearly over for young Wart. He didn't know it either. He thought life would just go rolling on in the same old way forever. <sighs> Still sitting by the fire and sighing, Wart? You don't change much, do you? I remember catching you sighing away when I first came to the castle. What is it now? Same as it's always been, Merlin. I'm a bit sad that Kay's going to be a knight. Well, all I can be is his squire. But I don't really mind. I'm sure I'll make a better squire than okay would. What you need is something to take your mind off things. Learning's the thing for you. What do you suggest? Well, let me see. You've been many things. I don't know much about the animals and the earth. Ah, well, then the best thing is for you to meet my friend the badger. You'll like him. Are you ready? Ah, uh, no, uh, hold fast. There's something I ought to tell you first. 
this is the last time I'll be able to turn you into anything. All the magic for that kind of thing has been used up, and this will be the end of your education. Oh. When Kay has been knighted, my labours will be over. You'll have to go away, then, to be his squire in the wide world, and I'll go elsewhere. Do you think you've learned anything? I have learned. And I've been happy. That's all right, then. Try to remember what you've learned. Now. Have a good time. So, Merlin sent you to me to finish off your education. Yes. Well, make yourself at home while I ladle out some punch. Tell me how things are going on in the wide world. Oh, they go on much the same, Badger. Mm-hmm. Merlin's very well. Yeah. Case to be made a night next week. An interesting ceremony. Come, here's your punch. Draw closer to the fire and take your ease. Mmm, it's nice to sit here with the snow and wind outside. It is nice. Let's drink good luck to Kay in his knighthood. Good luck to Kay, then. Good luck. Ah, well. Now, what could have possessed Merlin to send you to me? He was talking about learning. Oh, well, if it's learning you're after, you've come to the right shop. You see, I'm writing a treatise just now to point out why man has become master of all the animals. Perhaps you'd like to hear about it. It's for my delit, you know. Oh, thank you very much. It'll be good for you. Just the thing to top off your education. Study birds and fish and animals, and then... Finish off with man. Oh, how fortunate you came. Now, now, where the devil did I put that manuscript? Ah, ah, here we are. Ahem. Go on. It's not very good. Uh, just a rough draft, you know. I shall alter a lot before I send it in. Sure, it's very interesting. Ahem. Well, then... People often ask idly what came first, the chicken or the egg. I am able to say it was the egg. When God had manufactured all the eggs out of which the fishes, serpents, birds, mammals and so on would emerge, he called the embryos before him. Oh, uh, do you follow me so far? Oh, yes, thank you. Perhaps I ought to explain that all embryos look very much the same, whatever they're going to turn into eventually. Oh, I quite understand. Good. Well, then, I'll continue. <clears throat> the embryos stood in front of God, and he said, Now, here all you embryos are. And we're pleased to grant you another gift as well. You may alter any parts of yourself into something you think will be useful in afterlife. For instance, anyone who wants to dig can alter his hands into spades and so on. Now then, step up and choose. All the embryos thought it over. And then, one by one, stepped up before the eternal throne. 
Some chose to use their arms as flying machines, others to use their bodies as boats and their hands as oars. We badgers thought very hard and asked to change our skins for shields, our mouths for weapons and our arms for garden forks, and these boons were granted. The asking and granting took up two long days, and it was at the very end of the sixth day, just before it was time to knock off for Sunday, that they reached the last little embryo, man. Well, our little man, said God, you have waited till the last. What can we do for you? Please, God, said the embryo, I will stay just as I am. If I want a boat, I will try to make it out of trees, and if I want to fly, I will put together a chariot to do it for me. Probably I've been very silly refusing to take advantage of your kind offer, but I have decided to stay a defenseless embryo all my life. Well done, said the creator. Here, all you embryos with your beaks and whatnots, Come and look upon our first man. He is the only one who has guessed our riddle. And we have great pleasure in conferring upon him the order of dominion over the fowls of the air, the beasts of the earth, and the fishes of the sea. As for you, man, you will look like an embryo till the day you die. Run along then, man, and do your best. And man... Yes, said Adam, turning back. Oh, said God. We were only going to say, God bless you. There's divinity for you. Or do you call it R.E. these days? A thoroughly satisfactory way of tying everything up. I knew old Badger wouldn't let me down. Incidentally, the university accepted his treatise, you know, and he's now a doctor of literature and wears his cap and gown all the time. On the whole, I reckon I didn't make a bad job of young Ward's education, given the handicaps I was labouring under, like knowing all the time what was going to happen to him in the end, and not being able to... Inevitable climax. I said, you know, have you heard? Is it a secret, what? Is what a secret? Way, the king. You know about the king. What's the matter with the king? You don't say he's coming down to hunt with those damned hounds of his or anything like that, do you? He's dead. Dead? He's dead, poor fella, and can't hunt anymore. The king is dead. <clears throat> Long live the king. Oh, 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 there, there. His loyal highness dead and gone, and him such a respectful gentleman. There, there, Nanny. Oh, made is the illuminated picture I cut out of him from the illustrated missiles. I am stuck up over the mantle. Oh, compose yourself, <laughs> Nanny. It's solemn, isn't it? What? We ought to half-mast the banners. Quite right, Kay. Somebody go and tell the sergeant at arms. Okay. Sergeant Major! Sergeant Major! 
old Pendragon. The king is dead. Long live the king. It's all very well keeping on saying that, my dear Grummel. But who is the king who's to live so long, according to you? Well, his heir. Oh, blessed monarch never had no heir. Anybody that studied the loyal family know that. Good gracious, but he must have had a next of kin. That's just it. That's the exciting part, what? No heir and no next of skin. And who's to succeed to the throne? Do you mean to tell me there ain't no king of England? Not a scrap of one. I, I, I think it's a scandal. Heaven knows what the dear old country's coming to. There have been all sorts of sayings and wonders. The grey friar who told me about the king says a sort of sword has appeared. A sword in a stone, what? In a sort of church. I, I, I don't know what the church is coming to. It's in an anvil. The church? No, the sword. The stone is outside the church and the sword is in the stone. Then what's all this about an anvil? I mean, oh. look here, Pellinor. You have a bit of a rest, old man, and start again. Here, drink up this horn of mead and take it easy. Yeah. Thank you. Ooh. That's better. Now, the sword is stuck through an anvil which stands on a stone. Mm-hmm. It goes right through the anvil and into the stone. The anvil is stuck to the stone. The stone stands outside a church. I don't think that's much of a wonder. My dear fellow, it's not where the stone is that I'm trying to tell you, but the words written on it, in letters of gold. What's written on it? Whoso pulleth out this sword of this stone and anvil is rateways king-born of all England. Oh, I say. Tell me. Has this sword with this inscription on it been pulled out? No. That's where the whole excitement comes in. They can't pull this sword out at all. They've all been trained like fun. So they've had to proclaim a tournament for New Year's Day. So that the man who comes and pulls out the sword can be king of England forever. What? Ace. <laughs> oh, Father, the man who pulls mm. that sword out of the stone will be the king of England. Mm. Can't we go to this tournament, Father, and have a shot? Oh, couldn't think of it. I think anyone who doesn't go for a tournament like this will be proving he has no noble blood in his veins. Think what people will say about us if we don't go and have a shot at that sword. They'll say Sir Ector's family was too vulgar and knew it had no chance. We all know the family has no chance. For the sword, that is. A lot of people in London, so they say. And shops. Damn it! Let's all go to London, then, and see the new king. Why? Oh, what? What do you think? We're all going to London for a great tournament on New Year's Day. I'm glad we're going to London, because Merlin's leaving us. Leaving us? I thought it was we that were leaving. He's going away from the forest sauvage. Oh, come now, Merlin. What's all this about? I don't understand all this a bit. I've come to say goodbye, Sir Hector. No. Tomorrow my pupil Kay will be knighted, and the next week my other pupil will go away as his squire. I've outlived my usefulness here. It's time to go. Oh, don't go, Merlin. We shall meet again. There's no cause to be sad. Come, Archimedes. Say goodbye to the company. Goodbye, company. Goodbye. But you can't go. Not without a month's notice. Can't I? My God. 
the fellow's vanishing right before our eyes. Goodbye, Walt. Goodbye. Oh, Father, did you ever see such a sight? No. It makes our tilting ground at home look like a ploughed field. Yes. The size of it. <laughs> more and more lights are arriving by the minute. And the flags everywhere all flapping in the breeze. What a sight. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the nights start jousting? Good heavens, what is it? I've left my sword at the inn. Oh. Oh. You can't joust without a sword. <laughs> Quite irregular. Better and fetch it. You've plenty of time. My squire will go. What a damn mistake to make. Here, squire, ride hard back to the inn and fetch my sword. You shall have a shilling if you fetch it in time. Bye. Shall be done, master. I'll be back as quick as I can. Anybody there? I say open up. They must all have gone to the tournament. They've locked the place up like a fortress. Now what do I do to earn my shilling? <laughs> Poor Kay. All that shilling stuff was only because he was scared and miserable. And now he has good cause to be. Well, he'll have a sword of some sort if I have to break into the Tower of London. How does one get hold of a sword? Wait a minute. What's this? What luck? I suppose it's some sort of war memorial. But it'll have to do. It looks like a proper sword. Even though it's stuck through that anvil. I'm quite sure no one would grudge care war memorial if they knew. Come, sword. I must cry your mercy and take you for a better cause. It's an extraordinary feeling. Everything's so clear. The beautiful gargoyles of this church. How splendidly all the banners are waving. How clean the snow is. I can smell sweet briar. Come, sword! It's well fixed. Oh, Merlin, help me to get this sword! Like you did once when I was going to snap you up in my sharp pike's teeth. Don't forget that all power springs from the nape of the neck. Remember what you learned from me, the better. Come along, my dear embryo. Use your willpower and your brain. And what about those forearms of yours? Now then, Captain don't forget your trial by ordeal. What is the first law of the foot? I thought there was something about never letting go. Now then, Walt, if you were once able to glide along the ground, using 300 ribs at once, surely as eight sapiens, you can coordinate a few little muscles here and there. Fold your powers together with the spirit of your mind and it will come out like butter. Come along, homo sapiens. We are waiting to cheer you. Both hands together. Now. 
Here she comes. How smooth she draws out of the stone. Come, my beauty. But this isn't my sword. It's the only one I could get. The inn was locked. It's a nice-looking sword. Where did you get it? I found it stuck in a stone outside a church. That's a funny place to find a sword. Yes, it was stuck through an anvil. What? Did you just say the sword was stuck in a stone? That's right. It was a sort of war memorial. Hey, where are you off to? Okay, wait for me. Father, father, come here a moment. Yes, my boy. Splendid fools these professional chaps do manage. Why? What's the matter, Kay? You look as white as a sheet. Do you remember that sword which the King of England would pull out? Yes. Well, here it is. I have it. It's in my hand. I pulled it out. Did you, Kay? Then we'll go back to where you found it. Come on, Wart. You too. Now then, Kay. Here is the stone, and you have the sword. It'll make you king of England. But before you say anything, listen to me. You're my son, Kay, and I'm proud of you, and always will be. Now, you promised me you took it out all by yourself. I am a liar. Wart pulled it out. Wart, take the sword and put it back through the anvil. Yes, sir. Well, that went in easily enough. It should come out just as easily. Here, give me some room. Now, stuck fast. Okay, you try. Yes, father. <clears throat> No good, father. I can't budge it. What? There. Isn't she beautiful? Look how she flushes in the sunlight. Sire, your Majesty. Please don't kneel, father. Please. You're making me unhappy. Let me help you up. Nay, nay, my lord. I was never your father, nor of your blood. But I always knew you were of far better blood than I said you were. Plenty of people have told me you aren't my father, but it doesn't matter a bit. Please don't kneel down there like that. Oh dear, I wish I'd never seen that filthy sword at all. As you would expect, the barons kicked up a dreadful fuss. But as the wart was prepared to go on putting the sword in the stone and pulling it out again till doomsday, and as there was nobody else who could do the thing at all, in the end they had to give in. The coronation was a splendid affair, you know, and everyone sent presents to the wart. The nurse of the forest sauvage sent a cough mixture and thirty dozen handkerchiefs. Hob lay awake in agony all night and sent off Cully with brand-new white leather jesses, silver vervels and bell. The questing beast and King Pelinor put their heads together and sent some of their most 
perfect fumets. Sir Grammore sent a gross of spears with the old-school crest on all of them. But the nicest present of all was sent by Sir Hector, a dunce's cap which you lit at the top end. The wart lit it, and when the flame had quite gone out, guess who was standing before him? Good heavens! Merlin! Well, Wart, here we are again. <laughs> or were. How nice you look in your crown. Thank you. I'm afraid I haven't got a mouse under it for Archimedes. <laughs> Never mind. You know, I wasn't allowed to tell you before, but your father was, uh, or will be, King Uther Pendragon. I know all that's before you, and one of the things I know is that never again will anyone dare to call you by the friendly name of Wart. In future, it will be your glorious doom to take up the burden and enjoy the nobility of your proper name. So, now, I shall crave the privilege of being the very first of your subjects to address you with it, as my dear liege lord, King Arthur. Will you stay with me for a long time? Indeed I will, Wart. Or rather, as I should say, or as it have said, indeed I will, King Arthur. That is the beginning of the story of King Arthur, though the end of The Sword in the Stone, which starred Michael Horden as Merlin and Toby G. Robertson as Wart. Sir Ector was Charles Hodgson, Sir Grumore, Geoffrey Siegel, King Pellinor, David Goodison, Kay, Simon Teff, the governess, Pauline Letts. Archimedes and Carly were played by David Davis, Mr. M was Stephen Thorne, Madame Mim, Josephine Gordon, the Goat and Twitty, Steve Hodson, Hecate and the Crow, Jill Lidston. The Falcon, Stella Forge, Balan and the Secretary, Gary Cady, the Snake, John Warner, Gallopus, Peter Wickham, and the Badger was Lewis Stringer. The original music by Benjamin Britten was played by a section of the English Sinfonia conducted by Stuart Bedford. The special sounds were by Stuart Robinson of the Radiophonic Workshop. Technical presentation was by Peter Novis, assisted by Diana Barkham and Paul Pearson. T.H. White's novel, The Sword in the Stone, was dramatised for radio by Neville Teller and directed by Graham Gould.